0: enjoy
1: welcome everyone over in oak creek franklin everyone online and everyone here in greenfield if we haven't met yet my name is john i'm the digital pastor here at the ridge and i'm excited to be here not just because i'm actually in person in wisconsin instead of in seattle but also because we're doing this really cool thing to finish up our permission to deconstruct series Taking things a little bit differently this, this week, we are uh, doing a little Q&A discussion with our lead pastor, Mark. So we're going to be tackling a lot of uh, the faith questions that, that you wrote in about deconstruction and things of that nature, and so uh, it, it should be fun. We're not going to get to all the questions, and so we're actually going to do something cool. We're going to do like a little follow-up podcast uh, after this so that we can tackle everything. We don't know. We haven't read these questions yet, so this is going to be a little bit, uh, it's going to be a little bit fun ride, okay? So uh, actually, that's not entirely true. I, I do have one question for you to start us off, okay? So, I was talking to, you, I was in the hair shop the other day, and they were saying, you know, the mullet is coming back into style, okay? I'm curious, do you have any, maybe, words of encouragement for people that are considering the mullet as a, as a new hairstyle? In fact, we might even, oh, there, there, oh, oh, there we go. What's that? Yeah, okay, yeah.
0: Get to the first yeah, question. Yeah, okay, all right, all right, all right, yeah.
1: <laughs> Shortest digital pastor assistant yep. ever, yeah, yeah, uh, okay.
0: Looking forward to you leaving today, back to <laughs> yeah. Seattle.
1: All right, all right, okay, here we go. I can't deal with all the rules of following Jesus. Many of them don't work in today's culture or situations in my life. Isn't some of the stuff the Bible says or what Jesus taught outdated?
0: Yeah, I, uh, it, it's interesting. A lot of times people think when they think about Christianity, uh, oh, let's just talk Christianity. I can't speak okay. for other religions. Yeah. Uh, they think it's, it's all rules based. But here's the interesting thing. From the beginning of the Bible and then all the way through, it was really only one rule. And uh, you, like at the beginning, it was, hey, don't eat, don't eat of the fruit of this particular tree. And then Jesus comes along and then uh, he says, okay, new command I give you, love one another. Love one another. That's it. You do that, all the other things will fall into place. And so uh, I, always, I always argue against the rules argument because, honestly, Christianity doesn't have that many.
1: Yeah. Is there anything—what about, like, the outdated piece? Because I'm sure that's something that a lot of people really wrestle with, this concept. Like, whether it's something cultural or, or whether there's a specific thing that says in the Bible, is like, does this, does this really still apply?
0: Yeah. I, it, it's interesting because when— when when the love one another piece is the filter, yeah. Okay, and then all the other stuff that the Bible talks about, especially the New Testament, it also it, it flushes out. Okay, here's what it means to love one another. Sure. Okay, and so when you take it from there and then flush it out, you begin to see that that's how things fit into place. And so people will say, well, I think Christianity's outdated, and the assumption is is that. Uh, like secular evolutionists are saying, we're progressing and all that stuff. Yeah. And we are progressing in so many great ways and technology and how we learn and just stuff like that, discoveries of science, mm-hmm. all that stuff, which is great. But then there's some things where we're not progressing. Uh, I, I use this example all the time. Uh, I'll, we'll, we'll give a message and you know, we'll talk something that like Jesus said. And then I'll people come up to me and they aren't church people or religious people. And they're like, hey, I feel like you were speaking just to me. How did you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I always say, well, here's how we know. The Bible may have been written 2,000 years ago, the New Testament, but we still know because the human heart hasn't changed in 2,000 years, mm. that things are, things are still the same and, and all that stuff. And so uh, I, I don't think it's outdated. So when you read things in the Bible that kind of flush out the love one another piece, yeah. uh, you will see that the, the intention is God laying out for us, here's what it means. To love one another. Here's what it means to flourish, because God's desire for us is to flourish. Can I use an example, please, of this? Okay. So, uh, you know, I'll I'll do weddings throughout the year and stuff, and I always have fun doing weddings. It's a great, great opportunity to just get to know young couples and all that stuff. Okay. So the so uh, our culture tells us that we've progressed and all that stuff, and so here's the progression of relationships. It is, you know, you fall in love, and then the next step is you don't commit to each other, you move in with each other. So you cohabitate, which is just, you know, it's, you know, across the board now. And then, you know, you get to a place where you eventually go, okay, I think now we're ready to get married because we test drive and we do all this stuff. Okay. Well, he, here's what's interesting. So I always tell couples, I'll say, okay, here's what I want you to do for me. I want you to, you know, uh, uh, honor yourself, honor yourselves in this way and do all this stuff. And they laugh. That doesn't work, Mark. That doesn't work. Ha, 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 ha. Now we have to joke about all this stuff. Okay. Well, just a couple weeks ago, a study came out that uh and it's not a christian study okay so the study came out and it said that uh, study divorce rates and it said couples that cohabitate with each other have a much higher divorce rate than than those who don't mm-hmm. and so i i always say listen god's not trying to oppress us or it's not outdated he's trying to help us flourish and mm-hmm. so he has set up a progression in relationships yeah. that are meant for us to experience that
1: yeah i mean that so you mentioned the word oppressive that was really going to be like my next question based on what you're saying Because I think that a lot of people hear the phrase, oh yeah, you know, love, right? And love one another. But then it's like, oh, here's how you do that. And if somebody disagrees maybe with, well, is that actually the most loving thing? Is that a tension that, that you feel? Do you feel like that makes it oppressive or not oppressive? Yeah.
0: I think, you know, once again, look, look at kind of when we hear the word, you know, outdated and oppressive. That's what we often hear with, yeah. with following Jesus and all this stuff. Okay, so I always say, oh, well, let's, let's elevate to kind of the higher level of what's really driving that whole discussion. And uh, so there's freedom is a hot topic right now in, in, our, in our country, in our culture right now. And so freedom is, des- is defined in one part is I can do whatever I want to do. And then you, you throw in there in our culture, it's being heavily influenced by, by just kind of this whole movement of um, expressive you you, individualism yeah. and, and the slogans of you do you, follow your heart and all that stuff, which when you follow, when you deconstruct those statements, you will see that those statements have caused more damage in our culture yeah. than, I, than anything else I can think of, honestly. And so you have this definition of freedom where our feelings and desires and you follow those and you discover your, your true self, okay? And so you see that, and so you do whatever you want to do. And so anything that pushes against that is considered oppressive. And so Jesus and the New Testament writers, they come along and they define freedom very differently. And they define freedom as what we are free from. And so freedom isn't, I can do whatever I want to do. In fact, uh, they would define that as selfishness because you're following that sin nature part of, it, part of us that defaults to do whatever we wanna do. Yeah. Okay, but when you're free, to, free from, so we're free from the power and control of sin in our life, here's, here's the filter now. We leverage that freedom for the benefit of others. And, uh, and, and what's a fascinating thing, our struggle is really with authority, but here's what we're finding with the You Do You movement and all that stuff. Social yeah. science is coming up with all this research now, and they're finding that the divorce rate suicide rate, mental health-related illnesses, uh, the loneliness index, and then the happiness index, which is down, they're all in a bad direction. And I always tell people, does that sound freeing to you? Yeah.
1: I'm glad we started with a nice easy one. Yeah, thanks easy for that, I one. appreciate Oppression, yeah, that's... Oppression, that's right. <laughs> it's not gonna get easier. Okay, how do you feel about talking about some politics? No. Uh-huh. Yeah, and you voted for, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, people on both sides of the political aisle say they're Christians and that Jesus agrees with them, how would Jesus vote? <laughs> would he vote? What would he say about how angry and divided things are?
0: Thank you for the yeah. softball question. <laughs> uh, okay, so here's how to start with that. Every single person uh, if you're a Republican or Democrat, uh, but even an independent, every single one of us, including me, has political leanings. Mm-hmm. We just do because there's certain topics or issues that we, we kind of bend towards. And so there is no you know, objective, like, okay, we're all in the middle. No, independence, you have filters and you have leanings and all that stuff, okay. So here's the thing that I, I always try to keep in mind. I always keep in mind that Jesus doesn't share my, all my political leanings. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't, and, and here's how you do this. If you, if you listed five of the, the top five hot-button issues, okay, Jesus would be split down the middle in, in those top fives. And so what we tend to do is we tend to we, 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 we grab onto a couple issues or a party that supports those issues, and then we attach Jesus to it, and we go, okay, you know, Jesus would be this or be that, all that stuff. Okay, here's the, that's just not true. And here, here's, here's, what, here's the problem that that creates. Uh, first off, it misrepresents Jesus to the outside world. And so they think, well, I gotta be a Republican if I follow Jesus, I gotta be a Republican, or I gotta be a Democrat. That's not true, okay? It also misrepresents Jesus to ourselves because we, you know, we think, oh yeah, Jesus supports this, and so he thinks like me and all that stuff, and so that creates our own little box that we put Jesus in. And then here's the other thing it does. We end up losing the most important thing that we have to influence our world, and that is our influence. And we just give that away at the expense of, of, a, of a political party. Here's where I think also th- this one comes down to. And I know this is going to offend some of you, okay? It's not meant to offend, but I, I think just for some of you with the political feel, it's going to be really tough. Here, here's where I think it comes down to. I think many Christians are more concerned with saving America than they are saving people. And so what ends up happening, and I love our country, okay? So I, I love being in this country and all that stuff. Uh, it's the greatest country I think that you could live in. But here's what ends up happening when that is your top, top goal when it comes to the political realm. It's this. Yeah. We automatically will engage in what I call the, the poison pills, the three poison pills, fear, anger, and blame. Mm-hmm. In fact, I just gave the template for the next poli- the presidential run. There's the template. Get them afraid, get them angry, and start blaming other people. And that'll Mark just, you Wayne, kind of, there you go. Yeah. Just, there's my campaign slogan yes, right yeah. <laughs> there. Fear <laughs> <laughs> anger and blame. And, and it's all of a sudden, we just dig into that cycle and we go, 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 go. And we're just feeding into what's destroying the country anyways. Yeah. But the way of Jesus is very different. And he's saying, hey, would you just be more, he goes, I, I love America, but I'm more concerned with the people that make up the country than the country itself. Okay. And so Jesus steps in. He says, my way is very different. He says, my way is be concerned with the people because legislation doesn't change hearts. Jesus will change hearts. And if you want America saved, so to speak, let people's hearts change. And that's the way that America will be changed.
1: So, so much of our filter throughout this series has been on the By the way, who-
0: Jesus would vote. I don't know. <laughs> but I encourage you to vote. I'm not saying don't involve in politics. Uh, I, just, I, I don't want to leave that open I, yeah. I would encourage you to vote and, yeah. you know, serve and list and run for office and all that. I do all that. I'm not saying don't do all that. But do it in a way that when you disagree, it's okay. See people as, as made in the image of God. And uh, when you disagree, do it with gentleness and grace. And don't perpetuate the cycle that we see going on.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious. Like we, we've used the filter of deconstruction a ton, mm-hmm. right? And so the person that's deconstructing their faith, I'm sure, right? Somebody wrote this in. Politics is an element to that. If somebody has like maybe family members that are really, they really strongly believe in their political beliefs, right? And they've strongly attached those to Jesus. Is there a way for that person, that individual who is deconstructing, to kind of to separate those two things? <laughs>
0: Um, (laughs) Next question? (laughs) I think it all all depends on, first off, your motive in in that conversation, okay? So if it's not out of love or whatever, I mean, then don't do anything, okay, with Mm. with stuff like that. And the other thing, it depends on the emotional intelligence of the other person, Mm. okay? So if they're not able to have those conversations, stay away from them. Only causes division. Only causes division. Yeah. yeah going I mean, we just want to be right and heard and all that stuff, and so you know, we kind of bring our stuff. But if, if, if they don't have the ability, stay away from it.
1: Mm, that's good. All right. Next one. This one's, this one's a little more fun, so Praise God. yeah. <laughs> do miracles still happen? How do we know if it's a real miracle or not?
0: <laughs> it's fun, but okay. <laughs> do miracles still happen? Yes. They actually do. And if you define miracle as something outside of the natural order of things, yeah, they actually do. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in fact, um, well, let me go back. I think, I think a couple of the reasons why we, we ask this question, yeah. All right. why we wrestle with this question. I, I think one of them is, uh, most of us have never seen one. Yeah. So we go, okay, we just make the assumption that they don't. Uh, I think another thing is, is that for many of us, uh, we, we, we have this vision of God that God doesn't do those anymore because we haven't seen one, and so we kind of take that off the table. And then I think the other, the other reason is is that um, if you are a Jesus follower, and then you, you, you're like, "Well, if I pray for one and it doesn't happen, it might damage my faith in some way or something along that line." And so we kind of stay away from it, all this stuff. But what we see going on is is we see miracles happening around the world uh, in, in really magnificent ways. You look at countries like Africa, Iran, mm-hmm. actually, uh, China and stuff. There, there are reported miracles and stuff happening quite often. And even in parts of our country here, we're seeing things that, that are beginning to happen, I think in a way now at a level now that we haven't seen before. Mm. If you go on a mission trip to a third world country and you spend time in, in churches down there, uh, you, will, you will hear about miracles that are going on at a much, much higher pace. Now, l- let me just kind of just flip it a little bit more and say this, um, when we just define a miracle as something outside of the, the uh, regular order of things, I think that's good, but I think we limit our definition of miracle. Every time I see a heart change or a marriage saved or something like that, I I take that as God doing a miracle as well.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Love that bigger picture look too. All right. Man. Uh, Okay. One's just done? Yeah. (laughs) My spouse is deconstructing and I don't know what to say. If they lose their faith, I'm worried about what it would mean for them, our marriage, and our family. What should I tell them? And you, could pro- you could probably broaden this to really any loved one.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it's a great question. I, I, think, I think the first thing, in, in you know, so for many of this is so near and dear to us, okay, uh, that we get, we get a little nervous when this is going on and we get scared, and, and when we get nervous and scared, sometimes we can get really pushy, mm-hmm. things like that. I would say, okay, listen, it's okay, it's okay. Uh, here's the role, I think, of anyone in this type of relationship. Uh, the first one is, and this is not the, 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 you know, the church answer, but sure. pray, you start by praying for that person. And here's why, because it's a, it's a spiritual fight. And so we need someone to, they need someone to stand in the gap for them. And so I, I would say that would be step number one. The second thing is, is uh, discern, I always call it this way, discern what the real issue is in the deconstruction. And so here, here's, a, here's an example. So a lot of times people will, will have questions on things. They'll say, why, I, you know, why do bad things happen? in yeah. the world. Well, I just got to allow that. Like, this is a great qu- I mean, it's a great question to have. Yeah. But you can sit there and you can break down the arguments and say, well, let me give you a four-point argument of why and all that stuff. And they'll go, yeah, that's great. And they, But they don't change. Yeah. And here's why, because that's often not the issue. That question is kind of the, the wall into something more. Mm-hmm. And so this is why I always encourage people when they have an intellectual question, then to ask them, man, such a great question. Why is that question important to you? Mm-hmm. And then what will often happen is, is they'll say, well, you know, uh, uh, one of my parents had, had cancer, and they went through this, and okay, now we're digging into the real issue. And this is a personal thing that's meant to be walked through in a personal way. So you got to discern what, what the issue is, okay, so you need to, you know, once again, ask the question below the question now. Another thing that that does is you might find out that your spouse or whoever that person is in your life, they just want to live a certain way, and they know that God doesn't want them to live that way, and so they're coming up with all these excuses and all that stuff. What can you do there? You just got to pray for them. That's not the time to go, hey, you suck, and you know. No, 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 it's not the time to do that, okay? Because that'll just pull them farther away. Yeah. And, so, uh, and then the final thing is is you stay connected. Because what often happens when a spouse or something starts to, discon- uh, starts to deconstruct then we let them influence our faith and what we need to do is we need to stay connected and we need to kind of carry, be the carrier of their faith during that season.
1: Mm-hmm. Can I talk for a? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think one other element that's so huge with this, and you mentioned that even the fact that somebody's bringing this up with you is so huge, but I think that we prove ourselves worthy of being included in that conversation when we build trust with someone, right? And that's, that's how we talk about issues like deconstruction in general. Like if you find out somebody else is wrestling with a tough question, how do you respond? Because people are watching you and they're, they're, they're hearing you so respond. Say that, so
0: repeat that again. You s-
1: yeah, so we earn the trust mm-hmm. to be like, ask these tough questions. Uh-huh. So, you know, how we maybe talk about somebody else's faith, how we talk about issues, whether it's politics or anything, shows people if we're a safe person to talk to about yeah, those things. Yeah, I, I
0: think that's really well said. That, that's why, um, many times in situations like this, you know, we talk to people who disagree with us when it comes to the faith realm, and our first step is to defend, okay? Or, hey, you know, I believe this and all that stuff, which it it may all be true, but I think sometimes uh, Jesus followers think that God needs an attorney, Mm -hmm. all right? And so uh, then, you know, it's like, okay, I'm God's attorney, and no, that's not what they need. These are issues of the heart, and uh, people want to feel valued, and they want a safe place, so you know what? Sometimes the best thing to do is to not say anything. Hmm. And in creating the safety, God works. And we just got to trust that at times. Hmm. And if they're really wanting to hear our response and stuff like that, um, you'll know. And just speak with gentleness and kindness. Hmm. I love that. That's really good. All right.
1: I feel pretty, did you write this one? I feel pretty skeptical that prayer actually does anything. Um, Am I just a cynic?
0: No, yeah. I think you're a person and a human being that wrestles with what we all wrestle with yeah. when it comes to prayer, so no, not at all. I think that's a very normal part of the faith journey. Mm-hmm. I do, and I think one of the reasons why is because uh, we, want, we don't get the answers that we want yeah. all the time, okay, and uh, the other thing is is that we're impatient. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I can get an Amazon delivery tomorrow, yeah. sometimes even today, and we like, we pray for something, hey, God, this, God didn't answer my prayer. How long have you been praying for that? Oh, a day. And, uh, and here's, what I always, here's what I always tell people. God answers every single prayer. Hmm. Every single prayer. Sometimes it's a yes, sometimes it's a no, and sometimes it's a maybe. Yeah.
1: Is, there a, is there a line at which you feel like someone might be becoming cynical, though? Because I feel like there is an element where, you know, people do become jaded. People do yeah. become, start to develop a... I don't know, callous or uh-huh. whatever you want to call it, and start to become cynical to where, you know, maybe somebody says, wow, God did this really cool thing, and your response, even if you may follow Jesus, is, eh, did "Oh did he? Yeah. Was I, that him,
0: or was that I, just a parking spot? I, I always, yeah, I always stay away, I stay away from, from the person who always has the, oh, Jesus did this, and answered this prayer, and this prayer, I'm like, huh, interesting, you're the only person I've seen that happen to. <laughs> and, uh, and so I kind of like, I, I will kind of dis, distance myself from that because I think there's an insecurity when someone, it's, it, it's, it's not, it's disingenuous. Gotcha. Because the reality is, is when, when, he, when we think he does, uh, we just are telling the stories where we're getting what we want. Mm. And we're leaving out the other stuff because we don't know what to do with that.
1: Yeah. No one, no one praises that man. I'm so thankful. I got a no for that job interview. You know. Yeah. We pray
0: for a parking spot. That's all right. Okay. All right. I pray for one this morning.
1: Ooh. Yeah. I'm sorry about this one already. If God loves people, why would He send them to hell?
0: Okay. This is uh, a <laughs> this is a layered one. This <laughs> is a layered one. I think it's a gra- I, once again. This is a great question. Yeah. And 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 just personally speaking, I. I don't like talking about this topic. I, I just don't. And, and if you meet a, a, a pastor or a priest or whatever, and they enjoy talking about hell, run, baby, run, okay? Because uh, this is just a, there's just some, there's some things uh, that are in the Bible and that Jesus says, and they're just hard to, re- I mean, they're hard, Yeah. okay? They're challenging, they're difficult, okay? And, 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 if, and if you meet a Jesus follower and they say that there's none, said they're lying because there just are, okay? So. But here's the reality. Just because I have a hard time with something doesn't mean it's not true, all right? And so when it, when it comes to the topic of hell, it's first off to, to have a definition of what hell is. Okay? Yeah, yeah and, so what's a definition? Yeah, a, good a, a definition. definition of hell in the Bible is sin separates us from the presence of God, okay? And so what, what, what hell is, is a life that's now forever separated from the presence of God. And so that, that's what hell is. Now, you'll you hear people and they'll say, well, I believe in a God of love. And when they define love, that's, that's what the key thing is. Well, what do you mean by that? And here's what, you, here's what they usually mean. Love means a person can do whatever they want to do. And there's no accountability. There's no consequences. There's no anything. And I always say to people, if you parent your kids like that, if you're a parent, that means you're a bad parent. If that's the definition of love. Okay? Because love has accountability in, in and all, in all that stuff. And so what ends up happening is our culture says, well, I believe in a God of love. Well, I do too. But the reality is, is that when you read about God and, and who Jesus and how he describes God, is you'll see it's a very one-dimensional definition that our culture has. Because when Jesus talks about God, he talks about not only is God love, but he's holy, which means he's perfect. So anytime someone says, well, I'm not perfect, you're acknowledging right there that you know there's a gap somewhere in life. Huh, yeah. And uh, right away, you're, you're just acknowledging that you fall short, may not you may not know it's God, but you fall short of something, okay? And so God is holy which perfect, and we have a gap there, and then God is just, which means he can't overlook any of the injustices of the world, mm-hmm. and wherever there's justice, that means there's, a, there's accountability, and uh, there's judgment, and we don't like that, but I always tell people, listen, that's a beautiful thing, because that means how we live our lives matter. Without that, just live however you want. Life doesn't matter, and just kind of we go from there, and, and, and all that stuff, but it means it matter. It means it matters, so you go back to the, the, the idea of hell. I always tell people this, God doesn't send anyone to hell. People choose hell and uh, or, or God honors in the next life, their decisions in this life. Yes. And so when someone says, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm gonna live without God in this life. God will honor that decision in the next life because he always honors our decisions. Yeah. And for those who, who choose Christ, he honors that decision in the next life. And here's the thing about the cross that's so beautiful. Most people will focus on, you know, Jesus died and rose and all that stuff, and they focus on, you know, God's love. But at the cross, we see the full character of God taking place. Mm-hmm. And so you see the, the holiness of God, meaning Jesus lived a perfect life, and when we put our trust and faith in Christ, what happens is the perfection of Jesus gets placed on us. And so when God sees us, he doesn't see our imperfections anymore, even though we're imperfect. Mm-hmm. He looks through the lens of the perfection of Christ, uh, the, the holiness of God. Or I'm sorry, I, that was the holiness part. The, uh, the, the justice of God, that our sins uh, cause us to fall short and there's consequences to them. Well, Jesus paid the consequences and the whole thing was motivated out of love.
1: Yeah, so once again, love gets brought up, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there's two parts to this question, right? There's the side that's like, you know, someone has, doesn't want to believe in that like, concept, right? Yeah. But I think the other really challenging thing for people is that maybe the idea of hell has been used as like this tool of fear. Yeah, it is. That's right. So how, I mean, maybe they've heard somebody yelling at them, like, you're going to hell, or, or, you know, somebody they were close to talked about hell for other people. How do you like, I don't know, deal with those? Yeah,
0: I think, so we were at a football game. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, a buddy of mine were, and we were like on the top of, because of, we were in the upper deck, we don't get the good tickets like you do, okay, and so we were in the top of the upper deck, and uh, we looked down, and all these people, and there's this dude, and he's yelling at people through a megaphone, he's like, you're going to hell, everyone, I just, and, and, we were, and my friend was like, oh gosh, no, and and here's the thing about Jesus, it says that Jesus was full of grace and truth, mm-hmm. and what's so beautiful about that is you you create an environment of grace for people, guess what they're open to? Mm. Truth. Yeah. But what that is, is it's truth and no grace and it repels people every single time. Mm. And so, um, you That's know, really like I, I said, when people start, start dishing that out, it's just, it's brutal and I can't stand it.
1: Yeah. All right, we've got time for a couple more here. Uh, ooh, this is a parenting question. Um, but also an interesting, this one interesting. So isn't teaching religion to my kids forcing faith on them? I have friends who are parents who say they'll let their kids decide what they believe because God gave us free will to decide on our own.
0: Yeah, okay. I I think, once again, it it all, it comes down to, as a parent, what your priorities are as a parent, Yeah. all right? And so, you know, for us, I always tell parents this, uh, create a goal statement for your parenting Mm -hmm. and because without a goal statement, you'll just kind of let culture define and you'll respond and react to what culture's doing and all that stuff, okay? So... Uh, create a goal statement, and if a part of that goal statement, which if you're a Jesus follower, I, I would hope it is, is, is for your kids to hopefully make a decision to follow Jesus, uh, then like what Don and I did is we said, okay, our job is to create the environment for them and put them in, the, in position to learn about Jesus and all this stuff, and then to make a decision on their own, yeah. and so uh, we created that environment. It was a priority in our life, and as kids get older, it gets harder. I'll, I'll hear parents say this, and I know it's well-meaning, okay, and I get it because we we're responding to what was done to us. And for most of us, it was, you gotta go. And we were like, I don't really wanna go, you know? And it was not a good experience and all that stuff. And so now in in culture today, we say, well, I'm gonna let my kids decide. And uh, guess what your kids will decide 99% of the time? Not to go, okay? So when they get to a certain place, uh, high school and stuff, it's like, okay, you gotta parent and coach that different, not force them, but you go, okay, how can I create maybe a reward system or whatever so I can continue to put them in the environment to make that decision? But you don't yeah. force them. Yeah. The decision is ultimately theirs, but you've yeah. got to create the environment and hopefully model the life. Mm-hmm.
1: And it is interesting that this is something that's it's different from maybe other, like you wouldn't be like, well, my kid can choose if they want to lie or not. You know, that's yeah, up to, that's that is why, that's totally up to them, their choice. And you, know, you, you wouldn't make that. Mm-mm. And so I think that maybe when there's things that, like you mentioned, have been done to us, We don't want our... We don't want it. Yeah, I I, I don't blame it. I don't want that
0: bad experience either in our kids.
1: Cool. Okay. Uh, Seems like war is coming to the Middle East. We have more natural disasters than ever. Oh, no. People hate (laughs) each other and are angry so much. Are these signs of the end times coming soon? I know you love the the end times questions. No, I do.
0: I think it's it's important. I I, I always tell tell people this. I I always start the answer with this. They always say, "Hey, you know, does this mean that we're coming closer to the end times? I say, yes, every day we're coming closer to the end times, okay, because we're getting the next day. Now, the the filter now is because of all the stuff going on in the Middle East. Does that mean we're getting closer to the end times? And I, I would say, I think so. Okay, that would be my opinion. And I think a couple reasons for that. One is, we, there's so many great biblical prophecies that, you know, with Israel becoming a nation and I think it was what, 1948, and, uh, and just some of the, the, the things that have happened since then. This now, what we're seeing play out in front of our eyes uh, in, in the Middle East is pretty fascinating because we're seeing these countries now move and pieces and parts move that you kind of go, where is this going? Mm. And uh, we know in the Bible that Jerusalem is the center of it. Mm. And we're seeing that. Yeah. And so I, I think there's some things that would lend to, yeah. Now, here's what I tell people, okay, because you're kind of like, hey, yeah, the end time, that's great. It's like, well, what do I do with that? Yeah. Yeah, what do I do with that? And I always say, don't freak out, okay? G- you know, the New Testament writers say, hey, Jesus is coming back. You know, run scared, you know, but then we got Christians going like, ah, that's going to be terrible. Don't freak out. Not exact. Yeah, yeah it Not is. Exactly. Don't freak out. Uh, here's the thing I always tell people to do. Okay, um, be prayerful because it's a spiritual fight. It's going to, you got to be prayerful. Uh, Be aware because don't put your head in the sand. There's things going on and there's a story happening out that that we're invited to be a part of. You gotta be aware of that story, Mm -hmm. okay? Be faithful. Uh, The reality is, is that as that day moves closer, we're gonna see more and more people fall away. Mm -hmm. And those are just people who just aren't rooted in the faith, but we're also gonna see more and more people step in, which is really cool, which leads to my second one, or last one, is be on mission. I always tell people there's only two things that we can do uh, here that we won't do in heaven. And those two things are help people find Jesus and be generous. All the other stuff we'll do in heaven, but those two things, so be great at those two things.
1: You know, you know it's interesting. I, I think this is another one of those things that people become jaded towards, right? Where they hear somebody talking about this in, I don't want to say an over-enthusiastic way, but in a way that's like, like maybe an unhealthy focus on this, yeah. on this thing. And then you see that and you almost, you almost lose credibility for when you talk about other elements of faith,
0: right? Well, it, Well, I think we, these type of things, we, we kind of, we, we put them in, we put them in just kind of a weird category in our life. Okay. Yeah. But things like the second coming of Jesus, I think it's really cool because it means our lives matter. Mm-hmm. All right. That there's a purpose, you know, that there's a story playing out and that, that we step into that story. Because I think, you know, as Jesus followers, we think living outside of that, well, that's where meaning and purpose happens. And then we kind of, we step into that and we go like, man, that's not happening there. But this reminds us, no, that it really does matter what we do yeah. and that we stay faithful and all that stuff. And so it just reminds me of that.
1: Well, Mark, so, I mean, we're out of time for questions, but uh, we, we're wrapping up this whole series on deconstruction today, right? All, all the stuff that we've done. And if you've missed any of it, there's a little plug to check out YouTube, check out our podcast. Uh, but. But as your final, like, do you have any closing, final thoughts that you just want to share to wrap it all up?
0: Yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I think this has been just a great series for us to do. And here, here's just a couple things I, I just want to leave you with the series. If, if you're a Jesus follower, first thing i leave you to do is don't worry if you doubt. Doubt doesn't mean something's wrong with you or wrong with faith. Uh, As we've been talking through the series, uh, that can actually be something that God's looking at in your life and going like, hey, I want to rid you of that or I want to develop that. I want to grow that. And so lean into that. I I think Tyler said this a couple, I think it was a week ago, and he said, doubt your doubts. Yeah. Uh, you know, doubt your doubts. Lean into those things. Uh, if you're not a Jesus follower, you know, what does that mean for you is, as we kind of looked at all these questions, for you, the most important question is, eh, I don't know if I believe the Bible or did, you know, creation and all stuff. Don't worry about any of that stuff. Focus on who is Jesus. Let that be the question that guides you and leads you and you focus on, because you get that one, all the other stuff kind of falls from there. And so stay away from just kind of the stuff that doesn't matter as much, okay? So that'd be step one. Uh, Step two is deconstruct culture. Most of us just deconstruct faith, but we don't deconstruct culture. And so we buy into things and we haven't really deconstructed them and we just think they're true, but then when you get below the layers, you realize that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Mm -hmm. I always do this one. Uh, I'm a good person. And that's throughout our culture. And most people say, well, I'm a good person. And and you probably are, okay? Everyone probably is. But the reality is is that all of a sudden, you start to deconstruct, how do you know that? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and because I do good things, how do you know? And uh, it's kind of like, ding, 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 ding. you can only go, hmm, that kind of leads you to a bad place. Uh, I'm a science person because, and the assumption is science is always right. Really, do you not know that science has been wrong tons of times? Mm-hmm. And so it's okay to be a science person, but you know, there's all these things So deconstruct culture. Uh, the third thing is, is ask the question, why are you really deconstructing this right now? And what's the real reason? Because uh, we have to, we fool ourselves all the time. We all do this, okay? But you've got to get below and get, get below the real question and get to the real root issue. Mm-hmm. And then the final thing is stay connected. If you're going through doubts, most people, and I see this in churches and church people all the time, they'll go like, well, I'm going through a tough season. They disconnect because there's shame attached to it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, stay connected. It's okay. Be honest with people. Uh, this is a place where you can do that. It's all right. And we all do it. And we're all in the same place. And just kind of being around people as you do that, oftentimes uh, your faith will grow from it. I love it. I
1: love the intellectual humility that it takes to, to do that, to really evaluate both sides of the issue and, and really be willing to stay in community when you're going through all that mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, would you, just wrapping us all up, would you pray for us? I'd love
0: to. Uh, God, thanks for allowing us to just, uh, I, I, like I said, I think a series like this is really important because every single one of us, whether we consider ourselves a Jesus follower or not, uh, we just, in our mind and in our hearts, we, go through, we just go through doubts and we wonder and we ask questions and God, I would pray that uh, this church would be a place where uh, there's the freedom to do that here. There's no judgment, no need to be. Uh, we all have that in common. And God, uh, as we do that, that we would lean into those things and this would be an opportunity for us, for you to work in our lives, maybe deepen our faith or for some, God, to discover faith. And uh, God, you know, once again, as we just kind of look at some of these tough questions, God, we just acknowledge that there are some, there are some things that are really tough and uh, that, that we, all, we all deal with. We talked about some of them now. But God, in that, may we get to a place where we just can go, yeah, I trust you, God. I trust you because ultimately, this is your story. You're doing something, and we want to be a part of it. Uh, God, I thank you for the steps that were taken during this series. I just thanks for the openness and, uh, and just the ability to, once again, just to come together and to come before you and to ask our questions and that you're not put off by them. Actually, you're glad we're asking them. Thank you, God, for all you're doing in our life, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Churches podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.